You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, chilling with my guy Frank Tucker, representing the crib, South Florida. This is our weekly segment at the crib. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, the Storm Tracker Podcast, on all platforms. And also subscribe to the website, canescounty.com, part of the rivals.com network. Make sure you comment, subscribe, and share this YouTube channel as well, live from Canes County. Frank, it's Thanksgiving weekend, and there's a lot to be thankful for, um, you know, just generally in life, right? <laughs> but um, I wanted to ask you, man, like for, for this Miami Hurricanes team, who is now in year two with Coach Cristobal. And they've improved. Let's just say that they have improved uh, as far as points and, and yards is concerned from last year, which was downright just abysmal. If you're a Hurricanes fan, Frank, what are you thankful for going into Thanksgiving? I think you got to be thankful for a bright future. Uh, you just had a top 10 class last year in 2023. Uh, you have the potential for a top five class in 2024 based on uh, the flips that we did post on an article. Uh, you can check that out on, on Canes County. Uh, we posted that yesterday, I believe. Um, and, and listen, you got to be positive about the improvement that was displayed this season. It's not five wins. They're bowl eligible for the first time under Coach Cristobal. Uh, the offense has improved drastically from last season. The defense looks really solid overall. I know last week was a tougher performance for the defense, but Jeff Brown is one of the best offensive coaches in college football. And that's a team that has a chance to jump into the college football playoff, depending on what happens in the ACC championship game and what happens in that Texas and Pac-12 championships. So overall, I, I like where Miami said it, and I think you have to be thankful uh, that things are going in the right direction. For a long time, we saw stagnant, uh, you know, play from teams. We would see them go from 10 wins back down to like seven. We would see, you know, a, a positive recruited class, and then we'd be missing South Florida guys. Overall, it, Coach Cristobal has, has put us on a path back to relevancy. And I think that's that's something to be thankful for for this holiday season. I agree. The program is definitely going in the right direction. And I have to be thankful for this coaching staff. You know, uh, I, it first, it starts at the top with Coach Cristobal. I, I think he is an elite recruiter. The fact that he was able to get a top 10 class with just five wins last year, well on his way to another top 10 class with now just six wins and disappointing losses uh, to, you know, Georgia Tech and NC State. I think, you know, if this team lost to UNC, Florida State, and Louisville, I think uh, a lot of Miami fans would be even more uh, thankful. But even with with the losses, you still got to be thankful of what this coaching staff was able to do with this team this year, especially at the coordinator position. I mean – yeah, Dawson, I guess, can be questioned about, you know, some of the play calls that that he made. But overall, it's a drastic improvement from from last season. And Tyler Van Dyke, I think, is 
the reason why this offense hasn't really taken a, a significant jump to the next to the next level, but it's it's um uh an ascension nonetheless. You know, I, I think this team runs the ball very well and they you know, on the defensive side of the ball is one of the best in the country, you know, as far as stopping the run, especially. So I have to be thankful for the Lance Gidry as well. He's really just getting a lot out of these guys and the rest of his co coaching staff as well. Coach D Nick has done a great job with these linebackers. I think a has done a pretty good job with these DBs, especially with DP who has been playing absolutely great. Hopefully he'll be back uh you know sometime this season and the the d line as well has been playing at a, at a at a really good level with you know Ruben Bain playing very well Jaden Wayne coming along and you know Jared Harrison Hunt I feel like has taken a significant step up as well under the tutelage of Jason Taylor and Joe Salavea and I can't say enough about of course Alex Mirabal where the Offensive line is arguably one of the best in the entire country. And, you know, the running backs have, have, have also all, I think, have excelled at some point this season. So I'm very thankful for this coaching staff. But let's talk a little bit about Lance Gidry. He kind of made some headlines uh, yesterday. Uh, he was asked about his future. Uh, a lot of rumors about him maybe going back to LSU to where, you know, he's from. He's from Louisiana. I believe that would probably be a dream job for him. But he came out and said that, you know, he, he loves Miami and uh, that, you know, he's, he's not going anywhere um, for now, basically. Um, Frank, when you heard that, do you think that's real talk? Or do you think that's coach speak coming from the Miami DC Gidry? Now I, I'm not sitting here saying that I think he's going to leave, but I do think it was coach speak. We hear this every time there's rumors around a coach leaving. I don't want to leave, right? Because there was no confirmation from from Gidry that he's not leaving. Uh, he never said I'm staying. I'm going to be at the University of Miami next season. He kind of gave this whole spiel about he came here to help build something. He feels that they're building something special in Miami, that he has no, like that he doesn't want to leave. That's what he said. I don't want to leave. And I think that was the biggest thing. He didn't put a definitive answer on it. And it was almost a deflection of sorts. So for me, it was definitely coach speak. He's, he's putting himself in a spot where he's not doing anything but damage control. It's, you know, there was a report that came out, obviously that he was considering to leave it. Like he said, and, is there a chance that he could go back home for the right money? Absolutely, because the buyout for him, from what I'm understanding, is minute. It's it's a it's a small buyout. He he doesn't make what the top coordinators are making in college football, from what I understand. And you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe Miami, you know, bump up the money a little bit to keep him around. Um, yeah. And maybe there's a conversation of that sort because you can't lose Lance Gidry after you just you discovered him in a way. Thanks to really Dennis Smith, who's the you know chief is chief of staff essentially at the University of Miami, the director of football operations. Uh, you know his relationship and ties to the Louisiana area helped bring in Coach Guidry 
And, you know, I think that they kind of took a chance on him. You know, he's never coached Power 5 football before. He's come in and, and, and solidified himself as one of the best coordinators in college football. And there's going to be a litany of suitors out there, uh, especially in the SEC, where you know money grows on trees. So I hope he stays. I think that he does just because of the relationships that are in place at the University of Miami right now. Um, but would I be surprised to see him go back home for $2 million a year to LSU or something along those lines? I would not. Yeah, I think it's real talk. I mean, Gidry comes off as a really genuine guy. You know, he comes off – he doesn't come off, like, salesy um, as some of the other coaches do. So I do think that he was genuine when he said – that, hey, I haven't heard anything from my agent. This is just talk. This is just chirping, people chirping or whatnot. So I think that part is genuine. I do think that he genuinely does want to stay here at Miami. But if you look at like how he got here, right, he was supposed to go to Tulane, right? He basically agreed to go to Tulane. And then out of nowhere, you know, Miami swoops in, and gets him down to Coral Gables. So this is someone I think that his mind can be changed. I'm not saying it will be, you know, but I'm just saying if you just base it on what has happened or how he got here, then it's definitely a chance that that he could change his mind on, on everything. And I agree with you. I do think Miami will, you know, make him an offer that he can't refuse, you know. Um, so I, I think – they are they they realize the quality of coach that he is and are going to you know paint a picture for him that that looks great uh for him to stay the question is like you said as well that you know will lsu you know outbid miami that that that's the thing you know uh, of course you know he would love to go back home to, to Louisiana, LSU, let's just call it what it is. They are definitely a more premier program than Miami is as far as, you know, getting to the playoff, winning a championship in the last, you know, um, I, I think seven years, I think it was, um, maybe less than that. Um, so it, it it's definitely going to be an enticing offer if they indeed try to lure him out of there but i do think he was genuine with what he, he was saying as far as trying to build the culture here that he loves it here and that he you know this is his job right now and i think he could have deflected it even more you know he, he could have totally kind of dismissed it even more and not really open up about how he felt about miami he didn't have to say that you know he he generally didn't have to tell you know, the press that, oh, okay, well, I love it here. I love Miami. I love the I love the players that we're bringing in. I love the players that we have. He didn't have to say all that if he was truly being dismissive. So um, hope he stays. He's done wonders for this defense. Hope a lot of other, these other players stay, stay too. I think if he stays, that will determine if a lot of these other players indeed stay as well and if recruits stay with this recruiting class. Yeah, I, I think he's being genuine as well. I, like, 
I think that he wants to stay. I think he likes where he's at. I do think that he's comfortable here at the University of Miami. He doesn't have a head coach who's meddling into his game plan. He, you know, Mario's more into the offensive side than he is the defensive side. He's able to coach safeties. Um, so he has control of that defensive back room, really. And he's the head coach of the defense. And it's worked. He's got a, a talented, talented group, a young nucleus that's coming up from underneath as well. Uh, and they do have a really good class in the 2024 uh, cycle. So I, I think that he does want to stay. I just, like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see teams start sniffing around him because he is one of the best in the country. And he's proven himself on that power five level in a way that he did before. This is this was the one thing that he didn't have on his resume. He was once a head coach. So he was proven that he can do that and lead a team. He, he's proven that he could be a top coordinator in the group of five ranks he's proven that he can be a recruiter he's proven that he's going to been a guy that can grab guys out of the portal he as soon as he got to Tulane a bunch of his guys from Marshall jumped over immediately so uh, I think that everything on his resume has been pretty much checked off except for a power five head coaching job so that's one thing I'd be a little bit worried about as well if somebody tried to dip into that you know say like a lower uh, power five team and had a head coach opening you know maybe you know reach out to him in that regard so um, but overall, I do think that he wants to stay at Miami, and that relationship with Dennis Smith could prove vital uh, to keeping here, him here in Coral Gables. Yeah, absolutely. It should be, you know, coaching carousel is always fun to watch. Uh, we'll see how it all uh, plays out there. Uh, but most importantly, we need to see how this season is going to play out for the Miami Hurricanes. Miami goes up to Chestnut Hill on Black Friday to play the Boston College Eagles, Miami six and five and Boston College is six and six and five. And the players and the coaches have been saying, okay, well, Miami is better than what their record shows. And now they get to play a team with the exact same record as them. So it's going to be interesting to see if Miami is up for this game, right? It's a sleepy 12 o'clock game on a black Friday, you know, um, it's, it's going to be cold, you know, and I'm, I'm not sure if Miami's going to be as motivated to, to play this game after you play two top 10 teams with one of them being your biggest rival. Um, it, it, it's hard to think that they are going to be as excited to play this Boston College team as they were these last two weeks. And I mean, yeah, Boston College is is a quote unquote, I guess, rival, but it's it's like fourth on or fifth on the list, you know, maybe even sixth as far as rivals are concerned uh, for Miami. So they're already qualified for a bowl game. You already know that's going to happen. So they're really kind of just playing for pride here. Do you think Miami is going to be up for this game? Absolutely, it's a Mario Cristobal led team. I don't think we've seen them at any point not be up for a game this year. Like even when they would play Bethune and when they would play Temple or they would play somebody along those lines, they got up for the games. We saw them have the enthusiasm. It's really just really the only thing that's been missing at Miami is quarterback play. Is Tyler Van Dyke going to be old Tyler Van Dyke or is he going to be the Tyler Van Dyke we saw at points at Louisville, uh, the guy we saw at Texas A&M? Like, that's really the question for me because I feel like this defense is going to come out. They're going to play really good football. you got a number of those guys automatically coming back. 
So there's going to be pride on the table for them to be pushing for an eight-win season rather than trying to, you know, scrape with six or seven, uh, you know, because it, it just looks so much better when you win those eight games. If you come out eight and five rather than a six and seven or seven and six season, there, there's, there's an excitement that goes into the next season. Like, all right, listen, we finished strong. You know, we, we lost those three games. You know, two of them were tough against top 10 opponents. Uh, I, I think that the defense is going to come to play. I know Mark Fletcher is going to come to play. We know Xavier Ostrepo is going to come to play. I think that – I think Jacoby George is on a tear right now, and I think he wants to finish the season strong because of what it could do to his draft stock heading into next season. Everybody, I feel like, is going to be right there ready to go. That offensive line under Alex Maribel, I don't think that they need any extra motivation. Um it could be JV on Cohen's last game. We don't know what's going to happen there. He did just accept that senior bowl invite. So I think that he's, yeah. So I, I think that there's going to be some pride there for him. Um, and the fact that this is probably his last college football game. And then, you know, it's really just on TVD. Are we going to see TVD? Cause he's the only quarterback that's going to be playing in this game. I don't think Jakari Brown is, is going to suit up at all. Um, if, or he's going to suit up, but I don't think he's going to see the field at all. Um, and we know Emery, you know, what his situation is. So if TVD comes out to play, I like Miami's chances against Boston College. But Boston College is very much in a similar situation to Miami in the fact that I think that they could be better than their record. They could have knocked off Florida State. They've gotten solid quarterback play, which was surprising coming into the year based on expectations. Um, they've always been a well-coached team, no matter who the head coach was. Um, and they're just kind of one of those tough, gritty teams that have that Northeast uh, type, you know, mentality, and they're going to come in and they're going to try to knock off Miami as is, as if it's their Super Bowl. So, is Tyler Van Dyke going to be able to live up to the uh, the challenge of that? I, that's that's the only thing that we got to see. Yeah, with Tyler Van Dyke, it's either turnover Van Dyke or Tyler Van Dyne's, and wh- which one are we going to see on Friday is really the question. Uh, Boston College is 71st in turnover margin, better than Miami, who's ranked 97th in, in turnover margin. Uh, Miami's minus four, and Boston College is minus one. So for me, it's it's going to come down to, to turnovers again, because when you line these teams up, Miami should win the game because they have the better athletes, say, I think they have the better skill players as well. I think they're better on special teams. So just from a football playing perspective, I think Miami has the better team. Vegas also thinks so as well. They're eight point favorites on the road, which I, I don't I don't really like because you know heavy every home dogs usually usually cover. <laughs> you know, um yeah, we say that, but Miami didn't cover against Louisville, unfortunately. You know, was, uh, technically they were the favorite that game. You know, I don't know why, but technically they were. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that's that's the thing for me, and I agree with you, man. TVD has to has to play well, and and sadly, yeah, we're not going to see Jakari Brown, um, or at least we don't think so, um, and it could be Javion Cohen's last game. He could opt out of the bowl game and you could be losing some other players uh as well to the nfl draft 
It could be your your two safeties last regular season game as well. So when you look at this game, what are, what are the keys for you and who are some of the, the MVPs that that you want to see stand out for Miami? <clears throat> Can Miami limit the turnovers? We saw against Louisville that most of the time they were able to do that, right? And Tyler Van Dyke had a pretty good game. Uh, Mark Fletcher was obviously spectacular. Can the offense replicate what they did last week and score over 30 points, which isn't something we've seen from Miami over the last few years, really? Um, and can the defense get back on track? It, you know, last week you, you kind of got pieced up by Jeff Brom and that offensive scheme that he's got going on. We saw Cam Kinchins and James Williams looked really confused at times, missing tackles continuously on the back end of the defense. Overall, I think that the corners played pretty decent. Receivers are going to make plays. And, you know, there were some throws that were NFL-level throws on Damari Brown uh, that, that were completed. And, you know, a toe-tap, one-handed grab, basically, uh, you know, <laughs> along the sidelines. I don't know if there was much that Damari Brown could have done to stop that from happening. Um, so, you know, there, sometimes there's just plays that are made. But we can't see what happened with Jaden Davis and to Corey Couch, again, where guys are running into each other. Uh, I, I want to see them get back to the discipline, technically sound defense that we saw for most of the season. With some more pass rush, there were times where, they're, where, where, where their quarterback, the plumber kid, was sitting back there for four or five seconds, and you and I were saying in the press box, like, are they going to get to this guy? Or are they going to move the, you know, they're going to make a move off his spot? And it, and it just didn't happen. So I would love to see a little bit more from Leonard Taylor if he's playing in this game. I know last week he was out. Are we going to see more from Ruben Bain? I know that, you know, he's had a spectacular season, but last week wasn't one of his better performance, I would say. And overall, you know, is are they going to be able to come together and have that balanced approach and and, and really bring it all together in a way that they we haven't seen Miami do since really Texas A&M? So um, that's really the keys to the game for me. Um, MVPs, it's going to fall on Tyler Van Dyke once again because – even when Mark Fletcher has a game where he has 150 yards and, and a, a touchdown, Miami doesn't win. It, 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 so I, I don't think it's dependent on the run game anymore. It's really dependent on how Tyler Van Dyke plays. And the other is Cam Kinchins because what Miami's defense seems to win or lose on defense based on how Cam Kinchins played. He missed multiple tackles in, in necessary situations last week. I know he had a you know a really nice interception, but there were also times in coverage where he just looked lost, right? The tight ends yeah. completely took advantage of Miami last week. I think Louisville came into that game with like seven tight end catches, and I think they matched that season total in that game, basically. So overall, Cam Kinchins has to step up. The two most important players in this team from really what we talked about at the start of the year was Tyler Van Dyke and Cam Kinchins. And it's really going to end the year on that same note. So I think if yeah. those two guys play up to the caliber that they can play, Miami gets a win here, and they could probably win in convincing fashion and go into the bowl game with a lot of momentum. Yeah, for me, this this come to, comes down to a couple of things. I, I think the running game will travel. And, you know, Javion Cohen said it, said it himself a couple of weeks back saying that you know the running game that's something that you pack on the road because that basically travels with you so i think that running game is going to get going here and i want to see a very conservative game i want to see a check down tyler van dyke 
And Miami just needs to stop really the QB run here because Castellanos, uh, their quarterback, is can get out of the pocket and make some plays with his legs. Miami's been, you know, kind of uh, – they've been susceptible to, to give up the run at times to the quarterback. So I think if, if they could just contain him, put him in the pocket, then make him throw – on third down, then I think Miami has a, a, a really good chance to win. I think if they just don't beat themselves, they should come out with a win. But I do think it's going to be close, and I do think there's a very good chance that Boston College covers in this game, you know, because eight points I think is a lot for two teams that are pretty pretty equal. I mean, we've talked about it before. The ACC is pretty much an even conference across the board. And, you know, to like teams like Virginia, and as we see Pitt, you know, last week who has two losses, um, you know, at the time had, you know, defeated Boston College last week. So, so yeah, I think any any team could beat any team at, at any given time. And Boston College is going to want to end their season on a high note because, you know, they won five straight games and then they lost two in a row so they kind of want to get back to where where they where they were at, at the at in the middle of the season here so boston college is going to fight they're going to fight hard their crowd is is going to be you know somewhat into it that's not really a a a, a feared crowd by by any stretch but it, it's going to be there's going to be some juice in the building just because it's Miami. Teams love to beat, beat Miami and kind of have that on their resume. So I, I think it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a close game. It's going to come down, I think, to the to the final uh, possession or the final two possessions. I think Miami has a chance to win by two scores. Uh, but I think likely from what we've seen this year in the ACC, Miami's either won by one possession or they've they've lost by by one possession in a number uh, of games. You know, I, I think it was just uh, a couple of games that NC State and North Carolina, or I think the only games that didn't come down to to one p- possession when it comes to conference games. So there, there's nothing that tells me that this is not going to be a close game as far as MVPs are concerned. You know, I, I expect, uh, you know, Kiko to, to have another solid game. To me, he's been probably the most consistent defender on this team. James Williams has had his up and down moments. You mentioned Cam Kitchens also having his up, up and down moments. Lennon Taylor has been up and down. Ruben Bain has now been up and down because people know who he is now and they're double teaming him. But Kiko Mal- Malanoa has been been the guy that, has been consistent game in game out. I expect him to be consistent in this game as well and be a difference maker when it comes to stopping the run and stopping that their quarterback from, from escaping the pocket on offense. You already know, man, it's all, it's all about TVD. Can he make plays? Can he not turn the ball over? Can he run with his legs again? Like he did in that last game against Louisville. I think uh, the the switch is kind of flipped for for Tyler Van Dyke, and I think that he kind of understands 
what his faults were in those last few games where he was turnover prone. And I think he turns it around in this game and, and, and shows what he can do. I'm sure there's going to be some family in the building for him as well, because he's from uh, the Northeast area in Connecticut. And, you know, he's going to want to show out in front of his, you know, friends and family in Boston. So I, I do think Miami comes out with a win here and go goes into the bowl game with some momentum. The momentum is important, of course, when it comes to recruiting, because we're like full steam ahead into the, the peak of recruiting uh, here with National Signing Day or Early Signing Day uh, coming up here um, in December, about a month away. How important is it for Miami to get a win when it comes to recruiting, Frank? It's super important because Miami's gone on a three-game skid, and we went from hearing that Jordan Lyle was going to commit to the University of Miami to now wondering if it's going to happen. Uh, so that, that that's what the difference between wins and losses is is in college football right now. And Miami is on flip alert for upwards of 11 prospects, 12 prospects, if you consider some guys that are on the outside looking in. But let's... Sorry about that. Um, but, but yeah, you know, Miami, Miami is on flip alert for upwards of a dozen guys right now. Um, you know, they have the potential to, uh, you know, get some of the best players in the country in the boat in this 2024 cycle. And right now they're sitting at 10, 10th in the country, and they've only won 11 games in the past two years. I think that's huge. It's a huge development for what they've been doing this season um, co comparative to the results, right? Uh, you, you have some of the best in the country. Zaquan Patterson is a five-star. Now you're about to get Cedric Bailey. Uh, an NC State four-star quarterback um, who, with the new update, could be the number one quarterback in the state. So if you're able to, to you know, hit a bunch of boxes, like at receiver, they got three blue-chip guys, you know, all of them elite players, top 150 players in the country, basically. On the offensive line, you have five building block players after you added five in the last class. On the defensive line, you're bringing in six guys. Um, at defensive back, you have the potential of adding Ellis Robinson, who's the number one cornerback in the country. If you get a win against Boston College, get to eight wins. That helps ease the decision for him, in my opinion, of flipping from a Georgia, who's a national championship contender, to Miami. Uh, because it's a little bit harder when Miami's sitting at six wins and Georgia's sitting at 12 um, for a kid to make that decision to, to switch uh, to University of Miami. Because I think the feeling for him is that Miami feels like home and Georgia feels like development. Um, so Miami's got to be able to bridge that gap a little bit. And I think if they do um, over the last month of this cycle, they got a really good chance of flipping uh, the top cornerback in this class. But overall, Miami's doing a really good job on the trail. Um, I think that we're going to get some good news um, within the next 24 to 48 hours on a younger prospect. So that's something to watch. Um, and I think that, you know, over the next couple weeks, things are going to be really noisy in Miami recruiting because we're going to get some flips. We're going to get some commitments. And I think that, listen, there's going to be some attrition as well. But I think it's going to be more attrition on guys being pushed out of the class rather than losing guys in the class. I know that there's a lot of questions on Chance Robinson 
from what I've been told, he has shut down his recruitment um, and, and all the noise around Ole Miss um, and, and potentially going to Florida or Ohio State. I think that's outside the door, out the door now because of the possible inclusion of Cedric Bailey in his in this class, his little league quarterback and close friend. Um, another name that keeps popping up and potential flip candidates for Miami away is Elijah Lofton to Texas. I think that Miami's in a good spot there. I don't think that they're going to lose him. I think that they're selling him on the idea that Miami's not using the tight end right now because there's not a tight end in the building that can make an impact on the field, right? You got a, a blocking tight end. Elijah Royo has been pretty much injured the entire season. And, and Jaleel Skinner has just not developed into the guy that everybody thought when he flipped from Alabama to Miami. So I think that there could be a Brock Bowers type potential impact from an Elijah Lofton coming to the University of Miami. And I'm, and I'm sure that that kid sees that potential as well. Awesome. Uh, definitely visit canescounty.com for, for more on potential flips. Frank uh, put together a really nice article on that. And I have to mention a player that has been mentioned in um, this cycle and in your article, Frank, was uh, Jeremiah Smith. I mean, Jeremiah Smith is – to me, definitely the, you know, the best player when it comes to, um, you know, all recruits in the 2024 cycle. And LeBron James had to chime in last, uh, yesterday and say, okay, can't wait for him to come to Ohio. A lot of Miami fans kind of, you know, clapped back and said, hey, you know, you, you left Ohio to come to Miami. So, uh, is there still smoke there with, with Jeremiah Smith? And uh, do you think that he, he sticks with his commitment uh, to Ohio State or um, Miami has a chance? I have to – I forgot to shout out Kevin Beard when I was shouting out all of the, the coaches that have done a tremendous job. And, of course, Kevin Beard, you know, has arguably done the best job. So definitely shout out to Kevin Beard as well. Definitely thankful for him on this Thanksgiving uh, so when it comes to JJ, man, you know, give me a percentage, bro. Give me a percentage of, of, of the chances Miami can flip him. So shout out to coach Joe Brown as well on that response. That was a perfect response to LeBron James tweet. <laughs> um, you know, with, he decided to leave Ohio. That was, I think he was the one that kind of kicked that off. But, um, yeah. I, I think if I would, you know, I, I did make a prediction in that article. You can, once again, check out that flip article on canescounty.com. It's on our, our front page, so you can go take a look at that from yesterday. Um, but I would say that there's probably like a third split between Florida State, Miami, and Ohio State. I don't think that any decision is being made right now. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jeremiah Smith take this all the way to February because he's going to want to see what Brian Hartline does at Ohio State. You know, that Michigan-Ohio State game might decide what happens to that staff at Ohio State. So I, I think that there's, you know, a lot of potential for, you know, what happens at Ohio State. And that could potentially move them completely out of the process completely. Um, and, and then, listen, Florida State made huge dividends, <laughs> you know, happen when they beat Miami. They, 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 they showed him something that I guess he didn't see before because from everything I heard, it was a, a huge, huge movement for them uh, up the rankings 
in his consideration. So I think that Florida State is probably one of those teams that has strong, strong possibility to land him. I know Hurricane fans aren't going to love to hear that. But Miami kind of counteracted that by offering C.J. Bailey. And I think that C.J. Bailey's offer is independent of anything that happens with Jeremiah Smith. I know a lot of people are going to say that Miami just offered C.J. just because they want J.J. But C.J. Bailey can commit to the University of Miami regardless of what happens with Jeremiah Smith. And But I do think that it helps the process, right? You have all these members of this Purple Machine group from that Miami Gardens uh, program, Miami Gardens Ravens program. And then you have a bunch of his other teammates like Zaquan Patterson in tow. So for me, it only makes sense for him to end up at the University of Miami. You have the potential to, to make an immediate impact here at home, get on the field early. Shannon Dawson has familiarity with Geno Smith. Geno Smith's already shouted out his offensive court, his former offensive coordinator. We know Kevin Beard has has a relationship with South Florida kids that is different than everybody else around the country. And he's shown this year that he can help develop his receivers into a way that the other guys couldn't. Because if you look at the production from guys like Jacoby George and Xavier Shepo this year, they're having career seasons. And they look just so much better than they did before. And if we got competent quarterback play the whole year, we could be looking at a Miami offense that has 2,000-yard receivers which is a crazy statistic. Like Miami has completely outplayed teams like Ohio State uh, and Clemson and, and all these teams around the country that are supposed to be wide receiver U-type places. And listen, that's a huge credit to Kevin Beard. So I think that everything is kind of matching up for Miami to really have a strong run here. Um, I, in the end, I think he ultimately does decommit from Ohio State. And I think this becomes a Miami and Florida State battle in the end. Wow, that would be major, major news. And, of course, LeBron James would be crying in his beer if that happens. Um, you know, but, hey, home is where your heart is. And hopefully J.J. elects to stay home because that will set the world on fire. And what a receiving core that would be, you know, just to have Jeremiah Smith, Nye Carr, Chance Robinson, and JoJo Trader. That'd be an unbelievable haul at, at rod receiver for the Miami Hurricanes. We'll see if Crystal Ball Magic or Mario Magic can can uh, come to fruition here in the 2024 cycle. Anything else you want to talk about? I know you want to talk about your Western Wildcats. Um, you know, uh, making some noise in the in the state finals here uh or playoffs i mean let me not get ahead of myself <laughs> um you know any any other uh i guess matchups or anything you want to talk about as far as high school football or recruiting oh there's some good ones uh let's start off with coconut creek st thomas aquinas this is one that we've been waiting on this is the ultimate david versus goliath type game coconut creek having a cinderella type season and St. Thomas Aquinas is putting running clocks on everybody in the playoffs so far. So I think that's going to be a really good game. Watch for Elijah Cannon in this one at cornerback for uh, Coconut Creek. Likely going to flip to Oregon State. Love his game. Uh, Jordan Lyle, potential Miami flip, has been on fire. Just making highlight plays after highlight plays. Had a 90-yard touchdown last week where he broke a couple tackles along the sidelines. Just an exceptional player. So that's one I'm excited about. Obviously, Western Columbus, that's home for me, Western. And this is a matchup we've already seen before. So 
I, I think that's going to be a really interesting one. That one's going to be at 4 o'clock at Tropical Park on Friday. Um, it, listen, Kobe Howard, 1,600 total yards and 13 touchdowns in nine games this year. Kid is a monster. Um, but he's going to be going against a team that is filled with a lot of stars on their own. Dylan Russell um, is a Miami commit. He's going to be a penetrator in, you know, on that defensive line. Dylan Stevenson, a Stanford commit, really good player. Jose Leon, one of our favorite players in South Florida, is going to be making plays in the slot. And Bryce Fitzgerald, a Miami target, a guy that I think potentially ends up in that 2025 class, is going to be making plays in all three facets of the game. And obviously they're led by Alberto Mendoza, who's dealing with a little bit of an injury right now, as well as Davi Belfort from Western. But it's going to be a battle of two quarterbacks to see who can tough it out in a way uh, that leads their team to a potential state championship run. And then, listen, there's two more matchups that I'm really excited about. Shaman mm-hmm. Madonna gets their final test, their final test of the season, in my opinion, against Cardinal Newman, who's a really good team. Nashawn Montgomery, Ricky Knight. Uh, Josh, you know, Philistine, they got some good players. Luke Warnock, at quarterback, uh, they're looking for some get back because I think they lost like 42 to seven last year. Uh, so th- th- I think that's going to be a fun game to watch in the first half. Uh, let's see if uh, Shamanah continue to be the, the dominant team. In the first and half. Shamanah <laughs> is, a, is a force to be reckoned with right now. But listen, right. Uh, you know, Cardinal Newman has a really good coaching staff. They're led by one of the you know greatest coaches in Palm Beach county history um so i think that's going to be a game that you know surprised some people a little bit and then obviously the you know highlight game of the weekend the preeminent game in high school football in my opinion and that is miami central versus miami norland you have upwards of like 40 prospects in this game this was a game that went to double overtime the first time around ended on a field goal uh, which in that game i think that there were like four blocked extra points or field goals. So for the fact that the, just the fact that it ended on a field goal was just an incredible, uh, you know, climax, you know, fi- finality of the game. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that this time around, it's going to be just as good. Uh, these are two teams that are extremely emotional. This is going to be a seven thirty game at Travis Powell stadium in the heart of Miami. Uh, yeah. So if you are in South Florida um, in the holidays for the holiday season, or if you were just a South Florida homegrown, uh, product, you, you might want to go check out those two games. You can go back to back, go from Tropical to Traz Pal, and I think that you're going to see some really good football this weekend. Sounds great. Sounds great. Uh, we know you got Chaminade, and we know you got Western, but who you got uh, with Norland and Central? I'm going to go Central this time around. I'm going to go Central. Um, I think that their performance against Booker T last week has maybe sparked Lane McCoy in a way that wasn't there the first time around. So uh, Lane, you know, is balling right now on both sides of the ball. He had two touchdowns last week with an interception against a really good Booker T team that gave both Norland and Central a tough time the first time around. And they were up 35-7 to with the game pretty much wrapped up. Uh, So, listen, man, Miami Central, that drive for five is a real thing for them. Uh, you know, the national championship pursuit is obviously done after three losses, but this is still a team that could finish the season like 12 and three and, and ha- still have, you know, one of the greatest runs we've seen in high school football history, not just South Florida history. But listen, Norland is 12 and 0. And listen, if they, if Enyo Yapur, who's, you know, my pick for, you know, probably player of the year in South Florida this year, if he knocks off Central, I wouldn't be surprised because 
That team at Norland is just so good. They proved it the first time around that they can hang with pretty much anybody. They, they've pretty much backhanded and beat off everybody that's gotten their way except for Booker T and Central. Uh, so, you know, I just I think it's going to be one of the best games of the year. It's going to be a sold-out crowd at Drasbow Stadium. And yes. this is basically the state championship, in my opinion, in that 2M classification. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go with Norland, though, man. I, I I picked them at the beginning of the year when I saw them, uh, you know, playing their kickoff classic. And I and I said from then, I was like, this team's going to win the state championship this year. So I'm going to stick with that pick. You know, although they were kind of shaky in the first matchup in this game, I think they might right their wrongs from that game and, and you know, continue this magical run uh, for the team out of Miami Gardens. So, yeah, I'll go with Orland. We'll see what happens. Should be a fun one at Traz. And, um, you know, best South Florida, is, best football is here in South Florida when it comes to the Sunshine State. That is going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. Once again, this is Frank Tucker joining me for At The Crib, our weekly segment. Make sure you follow him, The Crib South Florida, on Twitter and Instagram for South Florida news, as well as news regarding the Miami Hurricanes. Make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Canes County. Subscribe, like, and share, and comment, and make sure you subscribe to the website, canescounty.com, part of the Weibles Network. Until the next episode.